0: Zach Jabal, and this is a Vine Pair Podcast Conversation. We're bringing you these conversations between our regular podcast episodes in order to give you a better picture of how the COVID-19 crisis is impacting all parts of the business, as well as to provide a bit of hope and a path forward for all of us. Today, I'm talking with Mario Enriquez and Eric Prado of Garagist Wine Room and Merchant in Las Vegas. Gentlemen, thank you so much for your time.
1: Absolutely. Thank you. Thank you, Zach, for having us.
0: Yeah. So, so let's start with uh, a simple question first. Uh, what is Garagist Wine Room and Merchant, and, and how did it come to be?
1: Eric, do you want to take that one? Sure. So, uh Gergis Wine Room and Merchant uh, kind of is the brainchild of myself and Mario. Um, it was, this, you know, the thought from a few years back, we both... In- Had the idea, you know, of wanting to create our own uh, wine shop here in Las Vegas. We were both professional sommeliers on the strip in large restaurants, um, you know, within the casinos for a number of years and wanted, you know, a place where we wanted to drink, where we wanted to buy wine, something that wasn't present um, in Las Vegas at that time. And now it is. Um, You know, so there's places like ours and other markets, you know, around the country where, you know, you can sit down at the bar, have a glass of wine. You can also take a bottle of wine to go. Um, That kind of concept was foreign uh, here in Las Vegas. So we, you know, we jumped through all the hoops and made it happen, but it was a two-year process. Uh, Mario and I basically, you know, agreed to get into this November of 17 or so, and we opened the doors November of 19.
0: Gotcha, and just for those of us who are not, you know, sort of in Las Vegas, I think uh, maybe you can uh, elaborate a little bit on this. Which is my my perspective from the outside is that the wine trade in Vegas is really, really strange, um, because obviously so much of the wine that's bought and sold in in the in the city is through those big restaurants, big casinos, big operators, and there's and but yet there's also a lot of people from my, you know, obviously there's all the people who, who live and work in Las Vegas who probably want to be able to drink a glass of wine, not at a casino. So can you talk a little bit about how kind of the trade works in, in Las Vegas and what maybe makes it unique uh, if, if, you, uh, if you think it is?
2: So that's absolutely correct. You know, even on a local level, uh, the market is dominated by the casinos for the most part and what they bring into the city via the big distributors. So what trickles out into the local market Um, Our major brands, uh, you know, they're buying pallets of not necessarily one or two cases of. And so it's frustrating in a city where there is such a high concentration of wine professionals um, to not be able to get some of the smaller off the beaten path or specialty producers and styles that we enjoy drinking um, in our market um, simply for that fact. And so I guess that makes it unique in that there is such a high concentration of wine professionals that can't get really what they want to drink um, outside of, you know, their strip uh, wine lists. And so that was kind of our goal was to open something and try to explore different channels to getting really cool wines into Las Vegas. And, and major trends that, have, that we've seen dominate the national landscape in the wine industry over the last 10 or 15 years have largely skipped Las Vegas for that reason. Um, one being, you know, the low intervention or natural wine movement as well, which was largely absent in greater Las Vegas as well. Um, even on the Strip, I don't think you can really find too many natural wines or, or anything like that on, on lists of major restaurants. Um, so we just want to, you know, be able to offer stuff to the local market that was previously unavailable, that we enjoy drinking, and that will also expand the palates of the market to maybe catch up to the rest of the country in terms of their their drinking uh, uh, standards and profiles.
0: So, so okay, let's let's talk. One, I have one more sort of question about sort of what life was like before uh, COVID nineteen. Uh, obviously, you didn't have a lot of time to be open before it probably started having an effect. But but I'm wondering. It, it sounds like probably the vast, the the bulk of your clientele uh, in that period from, say, November to, I don't know, March or whatever were were locals. Did you get people who who wandered out from the Strip or was it really just a, hey, if you live here, you know about this?
1: I think we saw a little bit of everything. I mean, yes, definitely a large local, you know, community and clientele base just because of our location. Um, You know, we're in the downtown area, um, you know, but... I can remember a number of different times where I'd ask somebody where they were from and, you know, yeah, I was out of town. Somebody was in, you know, visiting or at a convention, you know, on the strip and just wanted to get away from the strip. So, you know, our location is across the street from one of the more popular, smaller local restaurants. And that restaurant has, you know, gotten a lot of good acclaim um, throughout their business, you know, their short time being open as well. So that is bringing a lot of people away from the strip and we're we, you know, we definitely started to see some of that as well. But, you know, for sure, a lot of our clientele is of the local population.
2: Yeah, I think I think our, our goal also in, in opening this place was to more so appeal to the local population and not necessarily capture, you know, droves of tourists. Um, and the area that we're in, like Eric said, being downtown, we're actually we're, we're right in between the modern strip and old downtown Las Vegas or Fremont Street. So. While the tourism is dominated by Fremont Street and the modern strip, we're right in the middle, which is kind of like an area called the Arts District that's kind of in the midst of regentrifying to more of a downtown for the local population and not necessarily tourists. But we do do get tourists that pop in, and it's really cool because, you know, a concept like ours that hasn't existed and the fact that we're posting cool wines that have never been in the Vegas market before, uh, people find them. You know, our hashtags do a ton for us. And it's it's cool to see people that find us on Instagram or Facebook because of a, a photo that they saw. And then when they're in town for a convention, they they make it down to the shop and, and talk to us about it. It's really cool. We've seen some people from pretty ran, random places <laughs> because of Instagram.
0: Awesome. So let's talk a little bit now about how things have, have shifted with with COVID nineteen. So so first maybe what what are you able to still do and and how is that kind of going uh, in terms of wine sales? It's
2: uh, well we were we were really lucky. Our license um, allowed us. It, it's it's almost a one of a kind license. There's only a couple other licenses of our class that are in the city, and it's one of the more expensive licenses in the city because it has provisions that allow us. Uh, to sell on-premise and off-premise alcohol, which is largely regulated and prohibited in greater Las Vegas for the simple fact that because of uh, the prevalence of alcohol on the Strip and downtown, you know, the local laws and city council are trying not to create an alcohol-tinged community that solely revolves around alcohol. So there was a lot of, you know, legislation over the years that prevented a lot of off-premise sales for uh, restaurants and bars. And our license was developed only over the last few years that incorporated that component into it to allow for off-premise sales of alcohol. Um, And so we were really Lucky because of that fact we were able to transition immediately into a curbside service So we didn't skip a beat we didn't close down we just closed the front door popped open the side door and then started putting our list online and appealing to the curbside crowd and uh, You know where a lot of places did end up closing down to see what was going to happen and how the local municipalities and and uh, law enforcement would respond to it in terms of supporting small business, we got the go ahead from the city because of our license to go ahead and push forward with doing the curbside. So um, it's really worked out for us and, and our local population that had become regulars in the short five and a half months we had been open by the time that it had started, ended up supporting us a ton. You know? Instead of selling you know glasses of wine at the bar, we were selling bottles and cases. And so we were down, but we weren't down Nearly as much as we could have been had we uh, had we closed or not had the license that we that we shelled out for.
0: Seems like a forward-thinking moment, even if you couldn't have possibly known just how vital it would be.
2: Yeah, you know, it's it's just one of those things. It was our concept isn't unique to America. I mean, our, our bar and our co- concept is modeled off off of places that we really enjoyed going to and other major markets um, that exist everywhere. You know, and it just didn't exist in Las Vegas because of the hurdles of the local alcohol licensing, and uh, and so that's that's kind of what prompted us to to say, okay, you know, it's something that everybody talks about doing, and nobody's done yet, and why not? And let's let's get into it and see what we can do about it, and it uh, worked out in our favor.
0: So what's the what's the clientele in Las Vegas the 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 locals what do they like to drink what is it that uh, that you find does really well um, and and in particular I guess I'm interested in things that maybe you've been able to get people interested in that don't that weren't uh, otherwise necessarily represented in in Las Vegas prior.
1: I think that's the better <laughs> the better avenue to go as opposed to saying what people drink cuz it's so you know it's it's such a wide spectrum um as far as what people drink but as far as our clientele it's been nice to you know, have a by-the-glass list that's had a, a number of obscure varietals, um, obscure regions, you know, different winemaking techniques, skin contact wines, things along those lines. Instead of having, you, you know, the typical Chardonnay, Cabernet, you know, Malbec, things like that, we're trying to, you know... Get people to experience other wines, you know, that, yeah, may might be similar in style, but not what they're a 100% accustomed to. So I think for us, that's been the major goal and, you know, has been very successful to, you know, up up until now and still going. So people you know, have enjoyed learning a little bit about, you know, the wines, the wine styles, the winemakers, the stories, you know, from us um, throughout, yeah, the time at the bar and now, you know, acting as the retail shop and, you know, putting things together, you know, just a sommelier curated case. So, you know, just to get people out of their comfort zone, I think is a is a big win for us.
0: And so obviously now you know you as you mentioned you're not able to do the come in and have a glass of wine thing you're you're operating as a curbside pickup kind of operation is it is it mostly through social media that you're you're connecting with people like how are how are you communicating with your existing customers and if you're finding new ones how are you doing that
2: it's uh it's really cool to see it happening and we we built this to be run on a super small scale you know in complete antithesis to everything else in Las Vegas, which is such so Bureaucratized in terms of operations. Uh, we built it to be run by us too. Um, and in so doing, we're doing everything in terms of the marketing, the advertising, the social media, the curating, curation of the wines, the building of the list, the day to day operations, and whatnot. Mm-hmm. Um, so you know, without a huge budget for advertising and social media and PR, we've done a pretty decent job of just getting out there on social media platforms like Instagram and Facebook. Um, and since this whole thing has gone down, it's been really cool because our locals are sharing what they're picking up. And, and I'd say that that we've been able to put out more of a breadth of a selection of really cool stuff that have never been in the Vegas market before over the last two months than we did even before when we were providing on-premise service um, by virtue of the fact that people are giving us a budget of what they want to spend on their case and they're letting us curate it for them and now we're starting to do some more virtual tastings and stuff and highlighting differences between classic wines and low-intervention wines and same varietals produced in different manners and, and different styles of wine around the world and people are really responding to it so our Our followers on both platforms have just skyrocketed over the last six to eight weeks, I think because of it. And like I was saying before, the uniqueness of our license allowing us to be to to provide the curbside service and act as more of a wine shop as opposed to a wine bar um, was also we were lucky in that respect because a lot of the big box retailers weren't allowed to. Um, because tied into the licensing that allowed that you had to have a food license and places like total wine and more and, and other, you know, liquor stores around town that had wine selections didn't have the combination of requirements that allowed them to do so. So there was a good four or five week period where ourselves and maybe two other places were the only places in Las Vegas that people could get alcohol to go or wine to go specifically. So um, that allowed us to get into more, uh, you know, households gain a little bit more notoriety locally and jump in followers. And that's been that's been super cool. But it's just super grassroots. You know, we're not paying anybody to do it. We're making posts individually. We're making the live videos. We're, we're doing the virtual tastings and stuff. And it's 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 all us. And it's really cool to see the, the population respond to it.
0: Yeah, that's awesome. Um, So one last question for you guys uh, before we wrap things up here, which is so. You know, you mentioned at the beginning that one of the, that the industry has been in Las Vegas has been dominated and still is presumably dominated, although Maybe at the moment it's a little weird because they're not open. But by the by, the big casinos and the and the restaurants and whatnot that are attached to that. How did you even go about getting your hands on some of these wines that you were interested in? Were they were they in Nevada, but just not in Las Vegas? Were they? Did you have to kind of convince distributors to even bring them into the state? Like, how, what was that like? Because I feel like you know it is it is something I've heard from some friends who have worked in Vegas before that you know that just often the the wine just isn't even even if you. Even if you have the money from your, from your customers and you could buy it, you know, they, they're just, it's not there.
1: So we kind of got, kind of got lucky. There was a new distributor, um, that, you know, came into the market, Literally, they got their license the exact same day we got our license and their focus is, you know, smaller, um, low intervention type wines. So we do a ton of, you know, business with them. And that's a lot of, you know, the newer wines that are new to the Las Vegas market. Um, Other than that, you know, we scour you know import portfolios and put in special requests at least before you know the COVID-19 pandemic started you know just to try to get yeah one case of this one case of that um you know that the distributors weren't automatically bringing in you know because we we knew we wanted to do it we knew we had the clientele for it so and i think luckily the distributors you know kind of understood what we were trying to do and have for the most part you know been very you know receptive of our idea and what we want to do and been willing to bring in you know cases that we want so everything has has worked out for us
0: awesome well it's always really nice when I do these conversations to talk to people who are not that this this uh COVID-19 crisis is like great for anyone but sometimes it's it's nice to hear that uh that there are people who are finding ways to be uh inventive and successful even in these very very challenging times so uh, i hope that continues for you too and and thank you so much for your time and and um for people who are interested will you just direct them what what are the what are the social media tags that they uh or accounts that they should be following if they're interested in what you guys are doing
2: so on instagram we are at garagist underscore lv and on Facebook, we are at wine Room and Merchant. Um, currently, those are the only two social media platforms that we're on. Uh, but we also have a, a blossoming wine club. So if people want more information, they can just email us at wineclub at And uh, we can provide that information as well.
0: Awesome. Well, again, thank you both so much for your time and uh, best of luck going forward.
2: Absolutely. Thank you, Zach. Appreciate it. Thank
0: you, Zach. Thanks so much for listening to the VinePair podcast. If you enjoy listening to us every week, please leave us a review or rating on iTunes, Stitcher, Spotify, or wherever it is that you get your podcasts. It really helps everyone else discover the show. Now for the credits. VinePair is produced and hosted by Zach Jabal, Erica Ducey, and me, Adam Teeter. Our engineer is Nick Patry and Keith Beavers. I'd also like to give a special shout out to my VinePair co-founder, Josh Mallon, and the rest of the VinePair team for their support. Thanks so much for listening, and we'll see you again right here next week.